Unlock More to Life with Adrian Pinozo, Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we broadcast interviews with successful real estate investors across North America to empower you on your journey to unlocking more to life with real estate investing. Now, now here's your host, Adrian Pinozo. Hey everyone, it's Adrian Pinozo here with the More to Life Real Estate Investing Podcast where we help you, or at least try to help you, get more to life and live your dreams through the power of real estate investing. Um, I'm here with a very, very special guest um, today, Rachel Oliver. So Rachel's been waiting patiently to get going here. Um, Rachel is an international best-selling author, a successful real estate investor, an ambitious entrepreneur, and a dynamic speaker. I happen to know Rachel personally. We did a deal together uh, a year and a half ago or so. So uh, Rachel is the co-founder and managing partner of Clover Properties, a topic that obviously we're going to get into on this episode. Uh, Through Rachel's rent-to-own mission, her goal is to help enable families to achieve their home ownership goals and ultimately live a better life. Rachel is talented, a senior marketer with 15 years of experience leading profit generating B2B and B2C initiatives across various industries that include financial, high tech, not, not for profit, as well as education. Rachel, thanks for being on the More to Life Real Estate Investing Podcast. How are you this afternoon? I'm fantastic. Thanks so so much for having me, Adrian. It's really great to have this conversation with you. Yeah, I hope you know I'm I'm excited about it because rent to own program. Uh, there's not a lot of people you hear it a lot, but not a lot of people may or know you know the intricacies of how it works. How can it benefit um, the person getting into the program? How can it benefit a business partner and so on and so forth? So I'm excited to get into that uh, in today's episode, but. I really want to start, and I start this way with a lot of our guests. Tell us about your journey. You obviously didn't start being in this industry. Tell us about your journey, when it started, how it started, and how it's grown. Obviously, you have a very successful business now, and how it's grown to where we are today. Mm. It kind of grew... um... It it kind of grew spontaneously, uh, but it all started with a... Um, you know, a setback. I think that we all need some sort of a wake up call to propel us into action. So I've always had it in the back of my mind that real estate investing is something that helps you get ahead in life because some of the richest people in the world are known for their riches because of real estate. So I'm no fool. I, you know, I've been studying and reading various bios over the years. And I've just been putting it on the back burner. And then um, when I was about 35 years old, I was expecting um, my first child, Neil and I, um, my husband, Mr. No, uh, we were expecting our first child. And you think it's, you know, total bliss. This is great. This is beautiful. But then I got hit with a diagnosis of an aggressive breast cancer at the same time. And it really turned my world upside down. It changed my, it changed my perspective on time. And I realized that I really don't have a lot of it potentially. And I'm bringing this little human into the world. And 
here I am in this corporate job, climbing a corporate ladder. Uh, it's a very competitive industry, male dominated at the time I was working uh, for an engineering company. And although I loved what I was doing, I really wanted to be a mom more than anything in the world, especially if I had limited time. So my immediate thought was, okay, well, I still have to be able to put food on the table, especially with this little munchkin in the mix. Um, I had to get my health under control and I needed to get my time under control. Those were my two priorities. And one of the ways I was thinking I'm going to get, you know, uh, time under my control was to exit the corporate world and replace my corporate job income with cash flow from my real estate investing income. And easier said than done, because when I started looking at the numbers and I started looking at the properties and the kind of properties that were cash flowing instantly frightened me because they came with tenant and toilet hassles, because the kind of undesirable tenants that were occupying some of those properties were literally going to, you know, uh, continue to put holes in the walls and, and, um, uh, clog up toilets. And I could just see myself on this hamster wheel of, of having to deal with these issues. And that's not what I wanted to do. So then, of course, I started um, talking to different people. I started going to different networking events, attending various workshops, very much like the one you're going to be hosting for first responders, where someone who's more experienced stands in front of the room and explains what the possibilities are. And that's where I learned about rent to own or lease options is another way of, of hearing about it. And that really piqued my interest because what it really represented was an opportunity for me to create cash flow, but do it with the purpose of helping another family get into home ownership. And I'm like, <laughs> that sounded like I was winning the jackpot. And that's really what uh, got me to look at rent to own and got me started. Now, fast forward 14 years later, uh, we've helped over 750 families get into home ownership. So needless to say, wow. this has been a very profitable venture for us financially in terms of helping us achieve our personal goals um, in terms of cash flow. But at the same point, it's been extremely rewarding because we have done it in a way that has elevated other people and not just home buyers themselves, but also we work with other investors who... Um, you know, tap into our expertise and benefit from cash flow as well. Yeah, and that was going to be my next question. So over 700 families. So you obviously work with two different groups of people. You're working with people who want to get into home ownership. Uh, and then on the other side, you're working with investors. Okay, so breaking that down, people who want to get into home ownership will call you. And can you just, and we don't have to get it long drawn out. How does that whole process work with those so people? Generally, we start with the people first. You're bang on. A lot of people, when they think about rent to own, they think of, oh, I have a property. I don't want the typical tenant and toilet hassles. I want somebody to come in and give me a down payment. And I'm going to put it out to a set it and forget it strategy. And it's going to be a very hands-off experience. And um, they don't necessarily think about all of the moving parts in that rent to own arrangement in terms of how it affects the home buyer. Our process, um, we consider that property first angle, but in our experience, it was a little volatile. And remember, I'm doing this for consistent, predictable cash flow and overall profitability. So I needed to take off a whole bunch of risk factors. And when we started with property first, there were a lot of risks because those people weren't as emotionally involved. 
when we started with the people who can get a, a, a mortgage with the bank, but have a little bit of a down payment, you know, 20, 30, $40,000. And they call us and say, here's what I'm looking for. Here's what I can afford. We evaluate um, what the opportunity is for them based on their circumstances. And we determine what that rent owned path is going to look like. And once we have them educated um, and ready to take action, they go house hunting. They work with real estate agents the same way as if they were to you know, get qualified with a bank. So they get a chance to walk through different properties and feel those butterflies. And that's that emotional connection that gives me as the investor a lot more security in that deal because these people are emotionally connected with a property that they love, which we're going to help them buy. But on top of that, they have a financial investment because they're coming to the table, not with just first and last month's rent. They're coming in with a substantial amount of savings, which they will lose if they don't comply with the contracts. So we set up a framework for those people to succeed and we support them when they get into the rent-to-own process. But in between there, there's a purchasing of a property component. So once that family finds a home that they absolutely love, we uh, negotiate what the rent-to-own terms will look like, what their monthly commitment's going to look like, what their exit price is going to be at the end of the rent-to-own journey. And once they basically sign off on the dotted line, we bring in an investor from our network to purchase that property. And that investor owns the asset, they're on title, but we are doing all the heavy lifting. So once the people move in, the investor is just making a, a monthly cash flow while we keep that family on track to pay on time, to handle maintenance and repairs on that property, to meet their milestones for credit repair, and ultimately exit into a mortgage as, as planned. Similar to how we joined venture, obviously, as you know, we joined venture on multifamily properties with our company and investors. We're doing the sweat equity were the, uh, I guess, boots on the ground, so to speak, and, and dealing with everything to do with the investment. And I guess similar to your business model, so call it, I'm the investor in your network. I have the ability and the capital to do the down payment and go on title. But I don't, other than that, I don't have to do a thing, typically. The communication, the contracts, everything, the day-to-day -day is your company and let's call it the tenant, but the person who's the rent to own tenant. Is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. So we have systems, we have processes, we have it dialed in. And even more important that we have uh, an opportunity to see where there are going to be shortfalls as the real estate market changes, as finding financing rules shift. We're able to pivot the systems and processes easily enough to adapt to whatever's happening in the market. And I think that is a huge value add to investors that want to participate in profitable real estate investing opportunities, whether multifamily or, um, or rent to own, which is a little bit more medium term kind of investing they benefit from the peace of mind of having experts do all that heavy lifting. And I'll tell you, that is priceless <laughs> based on my own personal experience. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of talked about something a little personal before we got into the recording of the show, but no, I agree with you. You can't put a value on working with experts who have been there, done it. It's like me. I, I you know, without sounding overly uh, pompous, I'd like to consider myself an expert in the joint venture multifamily space um, with purchasing over 80 multifamily homes in my career, 
But on the flip side, if if I was going to get into a rent to own scenario, I wouldn't know where to start. And having the peace of mind and the security to say, okay, I may be giving up a piece of the pie, but to Rachel and her team, but I know I'm working with an expert and, you know, peace of mind, I'm going to be, I mean, nothing's guaranteed, but I'm covering it off and I'm working with the experts. Um, I, you can't like, it's, it's really, you can't put a price on that other than don't do it and have the opportunity to waste a bunch of time and a bunch of money and a bunch of mistakes. Right. So I can, I couldn't agree more with you on that forefront. Um, so that's amazing. I didn't know you had um, even working with you in real estate in the past. I didn't know you had that um, aggressive breast cancer scenario and health issues. I didn't realize that. So, you know, I want to get into mindset. And I think it's so important um, in in this business. Having that, like overcoming that and and conquering that and building a successful business how did you do that that's a really great question and i think you're right mindset was really the first thing that i had to adjust and once i realized what i wanted it was much easier because ha having clear ideas of what your day would and would not look like is really important. And that's, that's where I kind of thought, okay, well, there's so many different facets of real estate investing. And at the time, I wasn't thinking multifamily, gosh, I wish I, I wish I started out of the gate with multifamily, I would be probably in a totally different scenario right now. But at the time, all I had exposure to was, you know, just single family home rentals or condo rentals, you know, just plain vanilla type of opportunities. And I got very clear on the fact that I didn't want that because mm -hmm. I knew I'd have property management considerations, which I was not good at, and they would be a time suck. I also remember I wanted time back. So I was kind of, I was getting clear on what would my, my days look like. And when I got clear on that, then I started to think, okay, how can I make that happen? Who can I tap into for expertise? And this is back to what we were talking about earlier. Trying to figure this out in a silo is very difficult. I knew that because when I brought this idea to my husband, <laughs> my very own husband, he shot me down. He said, what are you talking about? We don't have any money to invest other than owning our own personal residence. We weren't that great with money, to be honest. And with a new baby on the way, I mean, you've, you've never really been in the shoes of a brand new mom, but we want to buy the, you know, the peg prego $2,000, uh, you know, strollers. And we want, you know, top of the line, this and top of the line that. And at that time, that's really where the mindset was like, spend here, spend there. We were making great money, but we weren't really thinking about how are we going to keep that great money and allow it to grow. So my husband is like, no, we're not doing this. We don't have the money. And I was like, we don't know what we're doing. We don't have the education. Um, we don't have the experience. He just kept shooting me down. No, 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 no. So one of the first things that I tuned into was, okay, I'm going to come across obstacles. And this is one of them. I'm married to Mr. No. Neil Oliver actually stands for Mr. No in real life. I didn't know that. I need to de decide, is it worth fighting him on this? 
Um, and then I had to get in touch with my why. So mindset and why are actually really important. I had to reflect on why did I embark on this journey in the first place? Because if I can't even get my husband on board, how am I going to actually achieve my goal of replacing my, my six-figure corporate job income and have that financial security with real estate? He's right. We don't have any experience with this. So this is a huge crapshoot. So when I um, realized my why was very strong and I'm going to encounter continuous obstacles, not just with Mr. No, but there'll be another obstacle and there'll be another obstacle and there's another obstacle. And I knew to come back to my why each time and keep on taking those baby steps. Try, didn't work, take a different baby step. Try, didn't work, talk to somebody, take a different baby step. And that's really what I what I would consider was my mindset. My mindset was to just keep going back to the why, get clear and take baby steps every single day. Because remember, I was uh, still in a corporate job and I still and I had a, a baby at that time. So and I was managing my health. You know, I didn't just roll mm -hmm. out of bed. Well, cancer thing got resolved. That was a year and a half journey to get my health under control. And I needed a totally different mindset for that. So I basically said, okay, priority is to get my health under control. Second priority is to figure out this financial thing. And I just kept taking baby steps. I remember Neil and I would go to work, come home, uh, deal with the baby. And at 8.30 at night, after we you know, put her into bed for, for the night, we'd sit in front of uh, a Zoom call and share screens with someone who was doing rent to owns, who was willing to share their experience with us and guide us and educate us. And we were just absorbing it. And we'd be on calls for two, three hours at a time, three times a week. Wow. We put in sweat equity. We had to make the time, but it all was anchored in being clear and the why. And we're going to get into your why. It's actually one of the questions. Don't tell me now, but it's one of our questions um, at the end of the show and what we call our um, lightning round, uh, so to speak. So hold that thought. Um, do you think your corporate job benefited you or helped you in your real estate journey? Like people, what I'm trying to get at, there's going to be people obviously listening to our show who are not in corporate jobs who have a normal, uh, you know, first responder, for example, um, or just a, a, a teachers or, you know, something like that. But they don't have the big salaried corporate job, but they have equity in their home, for example, to get started. But nevertheless, back to the question, do you think your corporate job prepared you for real estate investing or not? That's a great question. I don't know. I don't know that I would say it did. I think what it prepared me for was to become more structured as a business. Because at the beginning, we were just regular real estate investors who did for rent to owns by refinancing our personal residence uh, and, and kind of fumbled our way through it with the help of a mentor who was willing to guide us and, and share knowledge. So we tapped into that. So there's really nothing from my corporate job that enabled that. But as we 
became more serious about doing this for ourselves, we also realized that we had a solution that a lot of people needed and our phone kept ringing. And we couldn't necessarily qualify for financing on our own. So then we needed to expand our network and present this opportunity to friends and family to see if they could jump in and step in and help us to help more people. That's where that corporate piece came in, because in your corporate job, you know, you're a little bit more comfortable with talking to people, with presenting opportunities. Um, you know, you have to be a really good communicator, at least in, in the job that I was doing, which is marketing and communications. So I was able to tap into that to some degree. And then after that, I realized, oh boy, I'm going to need to have systems and processes and structures. So again, tapping into some of my knowledge from my corporate world was helpful. But ultimately, I, I don't think that it was the necessary piece, because there are so many other tools in the marketplace and so many other mentors and coaches within the real estate world that you can tap into directly that you don't need to worry about bringing experience to the table from your previous job. I agree. I agree. But getting into the real estate space, one thing I never did, and I wish I did, and I try to tell as many people as I can, um, don't shy away from working with professionals, even just a, an, uh, a real estate investing coach, um, as opposed to trying to figure out, you know, figure it out all on your own and trial and error, so to speak, you can save a ton of time, even if you don't want a joint venture, but you just hire a professional to work with who can help you and give you the right contacts and the right information. Don't steer away from that too. Um, Cause those people are, they're out there and, you know, I personally know a ton of them, but they're out there that can help you succeed and, and save time and money just by being that, that person you can rely on as a, as a coach, you're going to have to pay for it, but you and I both know in the long run, it's money. Well, well spent for sure doesn't um, seem that great first no um, i know eh? we were second guessing oh we're going to spend five thousand dollars learning about this or oh, we're going to spend eight thousand dollars learning about that and over the years um I, there's no shortage of how much money i've spent and i continue to spend money on coaching and elevating my my know-how so it's not a one and done it's a constant investment in upgrading your skills and i think that applies in in any type of profession as well if you're a lawyer you're constantly upgrading if you are um you know a first responder you're constantly upgrading your skills if you're a realtor you're constantly upgrading i think that's just a given so it applies in the real estate investing world as well but one of the things that i failed to do back then uh, when you know in the context of understanding real estate investing is that i didn't tap into fundamentals quickly enough because it is a little bit of a, a different beast in terms of language, in terms of perspective. I was reading the headlines the way everybody else was reading the headlines. I didn't know how to put perspective around what the media was saying about real estate. And I didn't know how to cut through the clutter. I also, uh, when I did go to meetups in various groups and started networking with people, they were using jargon, or at least to me, it sounded like jargon. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to sound stupid. So I'm just not going to talk to anybody. So if right. I had, if I had taken the first, if my first step was just understanding fundamentals of real estate investing, just 
Real Estate Investing 101, I think I would have been that much more effective in the next steps I took. I had to kind of like dive in, try to, <laughs> you know, do the doggy paddle and waste a lot of energy and resources only to figure out, oh crap, if I just sat on that, you know, on the side of the pool and talked about, you know, what is this all about? What are the basics? And then went into the shallow end <laughs> slowly, I probably would have been a lot more effective. And I I, I would have, I, I think I would have been more successful quicker. Agreed. You know, very, very good point. Very, very powerful point, actually. Um, getting back to the rent to own program in today's market with the interest rates where they are. Um, obviously, we know purchase prices have come down, rates have gone up, so on and so forth. And I also know because I get this question a lot. And I also know it's property specific and deal specific. But if I could ask you for the investors out there who are thinking maybe investing with you in the rent to own program, you talked about cash flow. Um, is there still positive cash flow with your with some investments in your program in today's market with today's rates? Yes, that is absolutely the case. Now, it also depends on the way that an investor funds their deal. So are they coming in with a down payment? Because as you know, we need to have a 20% down payment when we're buying a rental property and rent to owns fall under the rental property financing umbrella. So the lender wants a 20% down payment. Is that 20% coming from my HELOC or is it coming from my personal funds? That makes or breaks the cash flow. So when, uh, you know, when we're talking about rent to owns also, Adrian, really important to know that we're dealing with entry level prices. So entry level prices are still, um, you know, in Ontario anyway, hovering anywhere from 550 to 750. That's roughly the price price tag. So about 100,000 to 120,000 on average is what we're tying up in the deal. So if I have that 100, 120 coming in from my HELOC, then obviously I need to make sure that I can pay for that HELOC interest each month from my rent-owned cash flow and then still have money sitting there. And on average, with these high interest rate environments, we're seeing about 350 to $400 a month in cash flow when I'm using my HELOC. So I'm I'm in for zero of my own capital. I'm using equity that's just sitting in a property anyway. Mm-hmm. And I'm making lemons out of, or lemonade out of lemons basically in this uh, scenario. Now, if I have a, a scenario where I've sold a property and I'm sitting on about $100, $120,000 cash as a result of that sale, mm-hmm. well, I'd rather than throw that money into a deal and my cash flow instantly goes up to about 950. Right. So if you're not borrowing your down payment, give or take, you're around 950 a month cash flow. You got it. And that's after all expenses and all, you know, uh carrying costs and all fees and and you know, that that's the amount of money that I am putting into my pocket every month or our investors are putting into their pocket every month and the only thing that I can't account for is taxation right? Everyone's tax situation is different. But um, yeah, that's the cold that's hard. Good. And on average, what's the length of the program 
uh, for, for a rent to own opportunity, two years, three years, four years, or I know it varies, but on average. So in today's higher interest rate environment, what we're noticing is that the home buyers that need the rent to own help want to be in a program for about four years. Four years. Okay. They do in some cases have the option to exit at the third year mark. If they've, you know, improved their credit situation, maybe they got a raise and their financial situation has changed for the better. They can exit a year early in some cases, but most of them are needing the, the full four-year runway. And what's nice about that is that we know at the end of that four-year runway that real estate prices are going to balance out. Interest rates are probably going to come down a little bit. There's going to be a lot, a lot of stuff that happens, but in the meantime, I am growing my capital as worry-free as I can possibly be growing it versus just sitting on the sidelines and hoping that, you know, eventually prices will level out and interest rates are going to come down. That hoping and praying thing doesn't make you money. <laughs> I'll tell right, you. Right. Right. Yeah. No, you got to take action. You got to, you got to take action. And we talk about that so much on the show, take action, take action, take action, but yeah, we'll definitely get into that as well. But I agree. Hoping and praying is never going to make you money. For sure. How did you find in your business? Obviously, I know what happened in real estate over COVID uh, in the last couple of years. Um, how did that complement your business? Did you find through the period of COVID and obviously real estate skyrocketed, did that help your business? How did that affect your business? a really great question. There were ups and downs with it. Um, because what was happening primarily was that it was locking a lot of rent to owners out of the market, they couldn't compete with other buyers who were going way over asking because what we do with our rent to own program is we insulate that tenant buyer from overextending themselves financially, because we obviously don't want them to overextend themselves because that creates a risky situation for the investor side of the equation. So we want to make sure that they can sustain the monthly payments and that they can truly exit into an ownership position. And that meant that we had to really put a very definitive ceiling on their affordability. So when they were going up into bidding war situations, they were capped, whereas a lot of the other people bidding you know, they were buying from an emotional place and they were like, oh, we'll figure it out. Well, they're, you know, they were making offers a hundred, $120,000 over asking. Whereas our home buyers, they couldn't go that high. So we insulated them from being able to compete to their own detriment to some degree. And that actually uh, pushed a lot of people out of the market. We couldn't help a lot of home buyers in that timeline simply because their incomes didn't support the aggressive over asking bidding wars, especially in those entry level price points. And we just didn't want to put people at risk. So many of them went back to expensive rentals. But what's happening now is that they're coming back and saying, okay, let's go for round two. We see that the bidding wars have subsided. We see things are starting to calm down a little bit. We're going to use this window of opportunity. So let us in now. Gotcha. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. All right. I'm at that question. What is your why? Why do you do what you do? And how did that why? Because you talked about it earlier on in the show. 
how that why kept you going even through those hard times. What is your why? So in a nutshell, my why is really to get ROI on my time. I really value money, of course, money does definitely buy you stuff. But to me, it's more important to be able to get a return on my time. Because as I'm getting older, um, or even when my kids were younger, I wanted to spend more time with them. But now that they're getting older, I, I want to spend even more time with them because I have a short window of opportunity to create those memories, to create those bonds. And on the flip side, I also have my parents and I'm an only child. So I am, you know, responsible for, for my aging parents and their journey uh, in this phase of their life. And of course, then we have Neil and uh, my father-in-law. So we take care of him as well. So my time right now is really going towards being available for my family. Um, I don't want to be bogged down with details and minutiae of you know business and real estate that's all great but that's not what truly fuels me it allows me the opportunity to free up my time and make choices with my time that will ultimately create those memories that's all we really can take with us anyway right we can't take all the money that we make all those profits that we make with us so you know, I, I will choose my time over profits anyway, any day. Yeah, you can't turn back time. That's such a precious, uh, such a precious thing we have in our life, right? I mean, you can never buy back time. And once it's gone, it's gone. And I completely agree. I completely agree with you. Uh, the ROI on your time is so, you can't put a price on that. It's so, so important because we just don't know when that time is up. So. Absolutely. I, I, I faced that early on in my, in my life at, you know, at 35 years old to be told that there's a TikTok <laughs> um, component to your world. And, you know, back then I didn't know what I didn't know. It was very scary. And doctors were giving me really, you know, non-optimistic um, prognosis. And I just, well, I can accept what they're telling me or I could take action and take back my time and my, and my mindset and believe something different. And, and it worked. And it allowed me to take control of my time and I, I will fight tooth and nail to protect it going forward. And yes, they're not making any more land, which makes real estate a really profitable venture to act on. But I feel that there's, we're not making any more time either, right? There's still only 24 hours in a day. That'll mm -hmm. never change. Absolutely. Amazing. You're very successful now relative to how the world views success. Do you think there's still more to life for Rachel? And when you picture more to life, what do you see? Ooh, it's more like what I feel. I'm getting goosebumps as you ask me that question. There's absolutely so much more to life. Um, there's an opportunity to help elevate more people. And that's really what I'm driven by. If I can spend a day um, making someone's life better, touching it in a way that was pleasantly um, uplifting for them. That is that is that is a win for me. It does. I mean, yes, that's 
that's what I live for. In the grand scheme of things, those little actions add up to something bigger, something massive, because it's the small things you do every single day. Um, getting more out of life in small ways adds up to having massive things out of life in the long run. So what does that look like? Well, uh, definitely want to have a collection of apartment buildings. Mm -hmm. And uh, side note, I will not be doing it alone. That mm -hmm. is that is a venture that I definitely want to partner with other people on for it to be successful and truly allow me the freedom of time um, that I'm looking for. So that's part of kind of my journey for real estate investing. But on the other side of this coin, this allows me the time and the wealth to pursue a contribution um, in philanthropy. So I'm very passionate about also building and driving education about the, the incident that I had with cancer. And there was a very specific aspect to it. It was um, a genetic mutation that led to the type of cancer that I was dealing with. And there's very little education in the marketplace about genetic mutation and how it can affect people's lives. So I'm really passionate about taking uh, all of the wealth that I generate from my real estate ventures and, and funding projects in driving education and research in um, the area of genetic mutation. Amazing. You know, I ask that question to every guest we have on our show, and I it's amazing that you know we get I get answers from you know one level all the way to the next. It's just amazing hearing what what more to life really looks like in different people's eyes. So that's awesome, and I can honestly say I haven't heard that one before. I've heard a couple generic answers, um, but that one's a first. So kudos to you. Um, final question, and then we're a wrap. Um, if you could give one piece of advice to everybody listening, one piece of advice, even if it's not even real estate specific, one parting piece of advice, what would that be to people out there listening? That's a really good question. I feel that sometimes as, uh, as an entrepreneur, I'm very ambitious and I want to accomplish 20 things. And what I've learned is that it's great to be that ambitious, um, but there's nothing wrong with just focusing on one thing and one thing only and getting good at that one thing, getting clear on that one thing, taking small baby steps, taking action around that one thing, because that one thing will ultimately lead you to the other 10 things that you want to get to. But when you're diluted with all of the 10 things, you get excited, but then overwhelm kicks in and then you don't do anything and it stops you from taking action. But it's so much easier to take, to take action on one thing and take one step at a time towards that one thing. Take action, pick one thing, take action and go. As opposed to thinking you want to do 10 different things and then you don't really do anything. I like that. That's amazing. I like that. Well, it's been the slice. Um, thank you for so much for being on our show today. Um, how do people get a hold of you, Rachel? How, people out there who want to invest, 
and make $950 a month cash flow uh, by investing with you and your program, how do they reach out to you and contact you? They can find me through hellocashflow.ca. That's it. That's it. All right. Well, it's been a slice. Thank you so much. Um, it's great to connect. I mean, we did do some business together a year and a half ago and kind of seeing you around here and there in different uh, avenues in your social media. And I, I, I appreciate it. And I commend you on your success that you've, uh, you and Neil have had over the last several years. Keep it up. And uh, thanks for being on The More to Life. Thank you for having me, Adrian.